0: Hi everyone, my name's Steve Tudor and welcome to the Friday Show. It's a show that wholeheartedly believes in the magic of a cup, Ronnie Radford and all. On today's pod, we're traversing the FA Cup fourth round, of course paying particular attention to tonight's game in North London, but also dropping by at Newport, Blackburn and Watford en route. And joining me in this footballing adventure, I'm delighted to have, as travel companions, two blues who would look surprisingly good in Moxon's sheepskin coat, it's Lloyd and Ben. Hi, Lloyd. You there? You well? Morning, Steve. Yeah, I'm good. Good, good. Um,
1: I think I look like a dick in that coat, but that's <laughs> fine. Anyone um,
0: would look like a dick in that coat, to be fair. It's just the degrees of how much of a dick you'd look.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I'd probably pair it with a hat and look like a super dick. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm going to the game tonight. Um, one of the advantages, I guess, of, of being in London, but... Uh, Looking forward to it, even though um, the situation with the transport is a total shambles. Mm. But
0: I'm sure we'll have time to talk about that. We are indeed getting to that because uh, along with us today, we also have a match going blue, Ben, who can't go tonight, but we will get onto that, into the
2: pod. Ben, are you there? Are you okay? Yes, all good, Steve. All, uh, all good. End of the week, another week flew by. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Despite despite not going, I think it'll be a really uh, really interesting game tonight. So yeah, so looking forward to how it goes.
0: Mm. Well we're kinda of splitting this part into three. We're gonna start with a general kind of look at the FA Cup, uh, because there's some really fascinating ties upon us. Um Howard's got a really good interview with Theo Delaney as well, Spurs fan, to, looking at from the opposite kind of spectrum and you know, from the Spurs side as it were. Uh, and then we're gonna cover the game. So Let's kind of dig down into the competition. Now, the fourth round, not the third round, has produced a surprising number of the famous cup upsets down the years. Um, quite often we think of it as you know, third round upsets, but we're not. Here, though, it's impossible to think of kind of famous upsets on the cards. Nine of the 16 ties feature teams playing against opposition from their own league. Lloyd, that's a disappointing draw, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it was a crap draw when it came out to be honest um i think the scheduling from of the tv is a bit better this time so um you didn't have maidstone for example on telly last round which was just stupid yeah um and uh there's another big there's another game kind of like a small team against a big team can't remember that wasn't put on <sighs> but yeah i mean apart from i think the only one that's kind of interesting is newport i've got united at home um on sunday is like the last game but you know united should win that realistically yeah um even with the mess that they are at the moment um and so yeah like you say everything else i mean you've got look like chelsea villa today um bristol city against forest sheffield wednesday against coventry leicester birmingham yeah it's just all teams that everyone's you know familiar with playing against Mm. so a bit disappointing but um i guess for the fifth round to try and you know be positive about it because there's a lot of kind of good teams playing each other or like teams from their own league playing each other i guess you know it does mean that maybe slightly more um lower teams will get through to the fifth round than you would have before so yeah maybe there is that but it's not a great
0: draw well, by my calculations, it means, you know, assuming United beat Newport and, and Maidstone fall at Portman Road, there's at least five teams outside the Premier League who should be in the fifth round. I think, anyway, if my calculations are right there. Um, we've just touched on Newport at home to Manchester United and Maidstone away at Ipswich, Ben. I, I can't even conceive either of these
2: being any form of upset, can you? No. Uh, I mean, just even if you just leave, you know allow yourself a moment to imagine, just if Newport got something, <laughs> uh, you know, a, a draw or, or something like that, it'd be it would be absolutely amazing. Um, but yeah, in terms of you know if you look at these things on paper, and obviously you know Ipswich, for example, it's not as if you know they're having a, a bumbling season; they're, they're on fire anyway. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it'll be be pretty straightforward. Um, but I think I think the the draw overall is. I agree that you know there's maybe not many many matches where there's you know a big upset on the cars, but there's a, there's a few interesting one. I mean West Brom Wolves, obviously yeah, that's definitely served up a derby there. Uh, that's that's a good one, and I, I think the um you know the Black Blackburn Wrexham game as well. On, yeah. uh, I think that was on Monday night, isn't it? I think or was it on on Sunday evening? But but you know that again that one if if Wrexham were to get something there and and uh, and take them back to the racecourse ground, that'll be you know another. They'll have to they'll have to bring out another reps episode on Netflix to cover that one, I think. But well,
0: let's get to that then, because we're we're going to move on now to to basically go through the ties and and what we think of them. So let's start with Monday night Blackburn Wrexham. To what degree, Lloyd, do you think that I wrote this week that basically this is you know that just different circumstances at the moment put them in different leagues, but you know. In terms of quality, in terms of resources, in terms of personnel, Wrexham really—they're not level with Blackburn, but they're in their kind of vicinity. Would that be fair to say?
1: Yeah, well, I—I I mean, I guess it's like I've watched the Wrexham documentary. Both of them—they um, didn't really have like a non-league team when they were in uh, the conference, did they? they you know, they—they they, they bought a lot of players yeah. from League One and League Two, and Paul Mullin. I think there's shouts for him to make the Wales squad, isn't there? Um, Uh, I hope so. I've not even heard that. If he's if he's eligible, that would be amazing. Yeah, he is eligible, and I think it. It sounds like it's going to happen. I've seen it. I've seen it reported a couple of places. Um, and you know, Elliot Lee is really good. Um, Yeah. So they've got you know they've got kind of an inflated team, and they've come up and they're what I think they're third at the moment, aren't they in League Two? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean they're probably still a bit off Blackburn to be fair. Blackburn have had a decent season um, but that gap's probably a bit closer than than it would be um, and it's kind of, it, it's a, I think it's resemblant of the strength actually of um, the kind of English pyramid at the moment in that, yeah, okay, there are lots of teams that have struggled and there's loads of ownership issues but you've also got so many teams that have had money pumped into them from kind of quite low down that have got some ridiculous resources. I, I think the the leagues outside the professional leagues have never had like so many professional kind of players playing for them. Yeah. Um. So, it's fun, I guess. Um. I'd quite like to see Wrexham win that.
0: Well, I mean, look at last season away at Coventry, going two up in in a space of 18 minutes, um, and and ultimately winning you know a ridiculous game of football. And um, I think Wrexham, if you know everyone was where they should be in terms of quality, etc., and resources lower in the in the championship maybe bottom three in the championship right now maybe it's in the top of league one i know only third in league two but that is a tough league where basically you're playing twice a week just on rotation anyone can beat anyone and you know ultimately you'd expect uh to get out of there this season and get into league one and then further investment as well so it's it would be an upset if he beat blackburn of course it would um but i wouldn't suggest it was a big surprise. Um if we go into Monday, let's kind of flip right to the present and kind of the, the closest game, if you like, to where we are right now, which is Bristol City and Nottingham Forest tonight, Ben. and um, Bristol City did really well to get past West Ham, uh a second bite of the cherry. At home to Nottingham Forest now. Can history repeat itself? Because Forest have lost some really key players to AFCON.
2: Yeah, and I think the the jury um, it's still out about Nuno, I, I sort of feel a little bit of Forest. Um so this is one I guess that I wouldn't I wouldn't sort of fall off my chair if I have to see Bristol City yes. get something. Yeah. Um you know Forest should still they should sort of do the job and, and, and go there and, and you know turn them over. But but yeah, I could you know you could imagine again Bristol Bristol City are quite a well supported team. I can imagine them being you know full house tonight and stuff like that. So I think I think Forest the Forest will probably do do enough, but I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if there was a, a scare in there, and you know they. It- it went down to like a goal sort of late on in the second half or something to finish them off for Forest. Mm, I, I actually feel a bit sorry
0: for Santo because he came in and I just thought, oh, what they're doing? Okay, defense-minded coach. You know, he's just going to look to get clean sheets and just do enough to stay up and all that. But look, it's not a long-term appointment. And then in the first game, Bolly got ridiculously sent off after what was it, twenty minutes, and that cost him a game against Bournemouth. But then suddenly. They played really well for two two games, and they are playing quite attacking football as well. Certainly, the, the the setup was attacking. I thought, hang on a minute, maybe he's kind of revised his kind of managerial ways here, and, and he's he's turning Forrest around. And then suddenly Afcon comes, and obviously they know this when they, when they spite the players, but still, three quarters of their back four have gone, mm-hmm. um, and and suddenly they're hemorrhaging goals. So, mm-hmm. in that regard, I feel a bit sorry for him. It's just as he was getting acquainted with his his players and doing something good with them, we all we all go. So um Chelsea Villa is a really interesting one, Lloyd. I, I want to focus on Chelsea here. Are they turning it around under Pochettino, do you think? Right. I had an argument with some Chelsea fans about this week. <laughs> it's why I keep being like, for did, it being like, Did
1: you see, did you see did you see us the other night? It's like Colwell's back, you know, where it's like lads, it's fucking Middlesbrough in the cup. <laughs> Mm-hmm. they've got a massive injury crisis. You scored six, like, oh, great. You know, they're, they're just not that good. Uh, no, Chelsea aren't back. I mean, they've, they've won a few more Premier League games recently, which is, I think, how you judge a team's standard. Um, you know, they've strung some wins together, but they've been playing bottom-half teams. So, uh, no, I think they're still, you know, inconsistent. And when you watch them... I still don't think they play like a really kind of cohesive unit. It's mm. it's it's still moments, mainly from Palmer, that kind of drag them through games, to be honest. And defensively, I think often they, they look pretty shaky. And I, I really don't understand why what Potch is doing with left back. He's had a total kind of mess around all season of playing loads of different players there, refusing to play Ben Chilwell there. Chilwell's been playing left wing, it's all been a bit weird. Um. So, no, they're not back. And I, mean, I think there's every chance that Villa would beat them.
0: You know what? I mean, Howard did a pod this week, and we talked a lot about the geography of football and the importance of geography in terms of, you know, who your main rivals are, et cetera. And I love that I don't even know a Chelsea fan. I wouldn't even know who to speak to about Chelsea. And yet you have weekly arguments with Chelsea fans because you're based there, there uh, I mean, Well, like, so Dan, who's come on this podcast
1: a few times, like, I'm on a group with a lot of his mates who i know pretty well and you know he's really chirpy and a lot of his mates chat absolute rubbish so i've just got to put them <laughs> in their place
0: sometimes love it um Shiffey wednesday coventry not a lot to report on this to be honest and um, wednesday is starting to show signs of turning things around but they're having a horrendous season coventry uh really picked up in form of late picking up wins really taking making a charge for the uh the playoffs and i hope so because you know Last season, when they lost in the playoff final, I felt so sorry for him. And I thought that could be it, particularly when they lost the, I can't remember his name now, but the Swedish striker. Um, so I'm hoping commentary progress anyway uh, and have a cup run. Mainly because that, that final against Spurs was peak FA Cup final for me. <laughs> um, what about you, Ben? What was your, you know, when, when you think back to your childhood and you're thinking FA Cup final, what's the first one that comes to mind for you?
2: It would probably have to be um... And I think we've t- talked about it on this podcast in terms of, you know, when you're younger, there being a whole sort of day of, of yeah, yeah, the, yeah. You know, everything being on telly. So it's probably going to be that one, the final, um you know, in Liverpool where we're all in those awful cream suits. Right, against United. Um, 95, is it Against is it? United, yeah. Yeah. Um, that one or or equally the um the Everton United one when, when Paul Rydock scored. Yes. Yeah, I um, was in the pub that, that day with loads of
0: Evertonians, that was a good day.
2: <laughs> that was. Um, but yeah, I mean, just just going on with you, what you were saying to, to Lloyd then about Chelsea and your your pod of how this week it's it's funny, isn't it, how we obviously there's a the geographical thing, but often it's you know, if a, a close friend supports a team like I I've got a mate, for example, Who's a big Wednesday fan, and I right. think big, big, when that sort of happens, you know, it's one way or the other. Either you know you, you've got somebody in your ear like Lloyd, saying with his Chelsea supporting mates, and you sort of you're a bit riled and you, you're more up against them, or you know for, for Sheffield Wednesday's point of view, I've got like a bit of a bit of sympathy, I guess of where where they are, and yeah, and the owner, the, the owner's awful, yeah, yeah, and the you know the the, the fans, I, I'd love to think of this this sort of match because you know they've got they've got a good good following Sheffield Wednesday, they would pack it out. Um, but I think just they're sort of a bit sort of forlorn, aren't they? Over the years, and I wouldn't, I, again, I wouldn't be surprised if you turn it on and there's you know there's there's a half full stadium and it's not quite the atmosphere that that you'd hope mm-hmm. that they could do. So I think Coventry are, are playing well and you know they've been a, a good team the last sort of two or three years really a good co- you know a couple of decent playoff runs and, and things like that. So uh, I, I think Coventry will will, will beat this uh, beat Wednesday on this one go through.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is actually one where I really like both teams, so I, I don't mind two wins just from like a neutrals perspective. Um, I, I want either of them to go on a nice cup run. Um, there's one game remaining tonight, but you know we're going to get to that one. Uh, we're going to kind of flip ahead now to Saturday. Um, we've already mentioned Ipswich Mainstone, but there's one aspect I want to talk about, Lloyd, which is. Yeah, I d I don't wanna to go to kind of every fairy here, Magic of the Corp, and get too sentimental, but in nineteen ninety two Maidstone went bust and they were expelled from the league. <clears throat> um in somewhat unfair circumstances as well and certainly beyond their control. I think they 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 had to play at Dartford and um they couldn't get a ground in Maidstone and there was forty seven separate kind of applications to, to try and build a ground or refuse from Maidstone Council um, and ultimately just a slow drip feed of having struggled because of that and they ended up going bankrupt. Um, so, you know, what is it, 25 years on, or more kind of 30 years on, here they are, Portman Road, back, you know, flying again in the kind of uh, National South, I think. Um, huge yeah, game for him. Yeah, Yeah, huge money spinner for him on the telly. This is one of the, you know, this is what the cup's all about. I'm sorry to resort to cliche, but it is, isn't it? No, it is. Yeah. And their story has been great. Actually.
1: I, um, I listened to, uh, the, the kind of 72 podcast, which is like on the BBC and it's about all the teams kind of outside the Premier League and, um, with Aaron Paul and it was before the third round and they had George Ella who's the Maidstone manager on, with um, the bloke who's the... Who did they play in the previous round? Was it Sutton? Stevenage. Stevenage, right. And they had um, they had him on on with the Stevenage manager whose name is escaping me and I'm going to find it now. Who's was like a proper kind of like Cockney geezer. Uh, and he w- proper went into him on the radio. He was like, yeah, I really want to beat you tomorrow. And I was just like, oh, fair play. This doesn't normally kind of happen on the radio. And Ella Kobe came across Steve Evans, there you go. Um Ella Kobe came across really well. And I was like, and Steve Evans came across quite uh What is it the Steve Evans, a former leads? Yeah, the, the Steve old, Evans, yeah. Bellend, yeah. Yeah, he came across like a Bell End and it was he was just quite arrogant and I was like I, I obviously know nothing about mates, and I was like, I bet they turn them over tomorrow. And they did. Uh and again, listening to Ella Kobe's interview, like afterwards was just great. I think he said that yeah, uh, with tomorrow, with tomorrow they will have earned eleven uh, x their annual revenue from those two games. Um, Amazing, which is great. Uh, I guess they would have hoped for a better tie than Ipswich. To be fair, yes, they probably wanted a Premier League team, and Elka wanted Wolves, didn't they? But it's probably a, it's probably it's probably a decent opportunity for them, albeit. You know, Ipswich have been amazing this season, but they died off a little bit in recent weeks, which is probably a good thing for them. Um, But you would still expect Ipswich or Portman Road to get over the line. But no, that, that kind of fixture is definitely what the what the FA Cup's about and to have a team um, from the National League staff at the, in the fourth round is pretty amazing isn't it?
0: I mean you can imagine it you know a 2-0 loss or something but they, they had their chances and they, and they you know, they applied themselves well and getting a round of applause kind of as they go around the, the ground from the Ipswich fans if that sounds immensely patronising I make no apologies for it because you know it, this is a huge money spinner for them and it's a great day out for them it's a big reward for them that's how I see it it's not you know they've, they've They've done their achievement now. This is their reward. And of course they're going to be going all out to try and win and cause an upset. But if we lose, it doesn't really matter. It's the fact that, you know, they're on the telly and this is their reward for kind of what 30 or plus years of struggle. Uh, so it's a, it's a wonderful thing in that regard. Um, Everton, Luton's an interesting one. Luton beat Everton at Goodison earlier on the season to secure their first ever Premier League victory. Um, Everton in the last three games, Ben, <laughs> One goal, I like scored four or against one goal in the last three games. Um, Luton are doing all right at the moment. You know what? I I, I can see Luton doing something here. What about you?
2: I f- I fancy Everton just because I think in terms of um basically just to go go on a little bit of a cup run in terms of like a a nice distraction. I know they're not playing t- terribly in in the Premier League and until until those last three games, they're obviously on a good run. But I just. I just fancy them to you know I guess the sort of thing where you know it's against all the all the odds and everything's up against them. I think you know a nice little cup and I wouldn't be surprised to to see them win um win on Saturday and then you know maybe even get into the quarters or so, or something like that, I can sort of see that sort of thing happening um I think in terms of the game itself, as you touched on, I think it'll be a little bit um. A little bit of a nutritional one, I think. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not the not the most glamorous, and not surprised it's not been picked for for TV. Yeah. Um, Under two point five goals. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Well, there we go. Yeah, uh, that was my tip. I mean, it's it's not going to be a goal fest, or I shouldn't imagine so. Um, yeah. Well, I, I'm going Luton. You're going to Everton. So deciding vote for you, Lloyd. Who's you reckon? Mm, I think Everton actually. Okay. I think that game will probably avert them earlier okay. in the season uh, I'm going to take uh Leeds Plymouth that's all right lads because when I came to do the the match previews this week I thought okay Leeds are doing really well in the championship Plymouth are acclimatizing well after getting promoted last season this should be quite an interesting game I had no idea what I was getting myself into so basically Plymouth um they've outscored all but the top four in the championship um but they've conceded more goals than two of the bottom three. Um, 45 percent of their fixtures this season have produced four plus goals and um, the last eight outings have seen both teams score they are just the entertainers of a championship basically they're really good going forward and they're awful at the back Um Leeds out meanwhile just shot crazy this season uh championship high are 15.9 per 90 slightly under city's average that's how many shots they're taking on this has got goals all over it. I've no idea who's going to win. I fancy Leeds because 'cause we're unbeaten at Ellen Road all season. Um and in a better team, of course. But if this is nil-nil, I will do a forfeit of your choice. <laughs> so you, you can choose. But if this is 0-0, and we'll wait till afterwards and I'll I will basically promise now to do whatever forfeit is, is giving me if this is 0-0, because it just won't be. Um Leicester Birmingham Lloyd. All Midlands are fair. I've, I've got to be honest here. I'm not very excited about this game. What about you? <laughs> no, that's a bit boring. It is. It's, it's probably
1: not close. They're not close enough for it to be a derby either, are they? No,
0: it's, it's interesting with Mowbray. Mowbray's come in at Birmingham. There's been a bit of a shit show, hasn't there, uh, with mm. Rooney. Mowbray's turned him around. So three games he's been in charge now. They've drawn one and won two. Um, and he is doing something quite interesting as well. He's he's basically dropped both his centre forwards and he's playing four you know, kind of attacking wingers, if you like. Um, very kind of false nine, very pep. Um, so we, but that's interesting. But that aside, Leicester, I don't like. I'll be honest with you. I just don't like as a club. Is it uh, the clappers? It's the clappers. It's the Tory mentality of the fans. Um, yeah, I think Leicester will win though. but, uh, either of you have anything to say on Leicester Birmingham?
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, Callum Doyle should be playing for Leicester.
0: Yes, good point. Yeah.
1: Um, he's, he's back fit uh was really good in the first half of the season for them before he had his injury. Um and probably a good opportunity for him to try and break back into the the starting eleven in the championship. So that's probably the only part of interest
0: I can muster. Okay. Then the next two, um I'm just gonna to come to you for your kind of predictions. Sheffield United, Brighton, um Ben who do you reckon? Uh
2: Brighton, this one. I think it'd be rel- relatively straightforward. Mm. Um despite uh, Chris Watergate back in at Sheffield United I don't think they've, they've turned much around really so I think yeah pretty straightforward for Brighton 2-0 or something like that
0: If there's any betters out there just go for uh, discipline on this one because Chris Wilder yeah, as Ben said he hasn't dramatically improved Sheffield United but boy has he raised their kind of yellow cards uh, count because um, you know he's fired him up basically so there'll be a few yellow cards I should imagine in this one um, Fulham Newcastle Ben who do you reckon is going to win that one?
2: I think I'm not sure if this is a bit of an upset. Uh I think Fulham will get something out of right. this. Okay. Um I think obviously the the, the game that we had against Newcastle they, they they were good but before that they they were sort of stuttering a little bit and there was you could sort of sense a little bit of um discontent a little bit of Newcastle fans a little bit. I think they're getting to the point where um we we were at the game and you could sort of tell and you know walk away from the ground. Um there was a lot of like fans almost like this has happened a few times now, particularly they've, they've conceded quite a few um, sort of late goals and stuff. So I think they're not in the best place, I guess is what I'm saying. And, and you know, Fulham, Fulham have played some quite quite good stuff this season. So I'm going to go for Fulham for that one.
0: Okay. Lloyd, we, me and Howard... Um, talked about Newcastle on the pod this week, and I had uh, a huge rant, one of the biggest rants I've done on ninety three twenty uh, about ho- how unfair it is, basically, that Newcastle have all these resources, but FFP means that they're having to, you know, move on Almiron and Callum Wilson and and sell players in order to buy. How do you feel about it?
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's never, it's never really been something I've been a fan of. I don't, I don't mind there being. A concept of kind of restraint within football when it comes to spending, but I think these current rules, for me, they've always been anti-competitive and
0: I, too just, rigid. I would say as well.
1: Yeah, and you know the hundred and five um, loss limit that hasn't been raised from when it was introduced. You know, with inflation, for example, uh, and I just don't like. Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't like it because. 105 million to Nottingham Forest is not the same as 105 million to Man United. Yeah. Um, it's not relative. And I've just never liked the idea of, you know, uh, the owners of a business, whatever business that is not being able to kind of put money in and, you know, invest like any other business in, you know, the, the main kind of part of the economy removed from football. Now, I've always wanted there to be some protections in that I do think you know football clubs are kind of cultural institutions, and the super league was very concerning because you know that could have been really damaged if teams would have been taken away from maybe where they play or their fans, so all that's very important, but I just don't like the current the current rules never have and yeah obviously you know we're in a situation now where Newcastle uh potentially having to sell some of their players to then reinvest because the way that it works is you know if you sell someone you can book it as profit whereas if you know you buy someone you can amortise it over X number of years. It's all just it's all just a bit silly, isn't it? And I think the one thing that that for me has really been highlighted um with these with these rules is that we've now got a situation where clubs are trying to flog their best academy players and you've got yeah, Chelsea yeah. you've got Chelsea and this is no good for the fans, is it? You've got Chelsea potentially trying to flog Conor Gallagher, who, if you speak to Chelsea fans, has been probably in their top three players this season. Albeit, I, look, I take that they've had a bit of a shit year. But that's not good, is it? Like, they, should, they shouldn't they should be doing that. But that's what the rules really promote. Um, and Chelsea did that with Lewis Hall to Newcastle and, you know, Liveramento. So... There are benefactors at the end of the day, but I just I don't I don't like that. That's the way that clubs are now moving. It's it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense from like a football fan perspective.
0: Yeah, just a, a reminder that Newcastle are thirty times richer than City, uh, and are having to sell to buy, um, just what eighteen months into their kind of grand project, it's it, it stinks to high heaven for me. Um, okay, let's move to Sunday, West Brom against Wolves, a uh, Black Country derby Ben. um quarter 12 kickoff which dilutes it somewhat really it's hard to get up for you know in in terms of a match going fans it's hard to really rile yourself up at that time of the morning i think they'll be drinking from saturday though (laughs) 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 that's true um will you be tuning in for this one ben i think i will i'm I'm quite intrigued by this
2: yeah i think i think i think any any derby that's you know served up into you know they're not in the same division yes almost you know there's almost a bit of a you know, it's it's a one-off. You don't get you know a little bit. I guess like the the Sunderland Newcastle game, you know that we that we saw in the previous round. Um, so I th- I think it I think it'll be um you know a good game. I think it'll be competitive too. You know, I think Wolves um at times this season probably you know a little bit early on. Obviously they beat us, but a Little bit after that, they were playing pretty well. Um, they've sort of been a bit inconsistent all season, which is probably reflective of where they are in the league. So, I definitely think West Brom um, have got a chance with this one. And yeah, it'll be expecting a full, you know, sort of blood and thunder sort of game, hopefully, a few tackles flying, yeah. and things like that. Yeah, um, so yeah, I think it'll be a good one. Looking forward to it,
0: yeah, same, same. Um, West Brom have been so unlucky with injuries, though, I have to say, this season, some like you know. Three quarters of their attacking kind of lineup has just been long term injuries as well, um, and it was really looking rosy from the start of the season as well because the style of football they play is really good to watch. So um, that's a shame, but
1: it's the first Black Country derby excluding COVID for a long time, isn't it? I think it's yes. like yeah. nine years or something. So yeah. the fa- the fans are surely going to be up for that.
0: Yeah, yeah, you, you knew it was going to be a good one because. Each wanted the other to, to win, essentially, didn't they, in order to make this tie happen. They were kind of rooting for their hated rival to get through because they knew that, you know, should they do so, this is going to be the fourth round. And um, when that happens, you think, yeah, they, they are up for this. Watford, Southampton. Um, I mean, either of you have anything to say in that regard? It's, uh, Southampton are doing really well, I have to say, and, and they're a good watch. Um I've never been a fan of Watford, so I'll be kind of semi-supporting the Saints in this one. Um, what about you, Lloyd? Not much to add to say, I'll be <laughs> let's, go, let's go straight to Liverpool-Norwich. Uh, Norwich just capitulates at Anfield. They always do. Let's face it. They'll probably bring Luis Suarez back to score five goals past <laughs> him. Past John Ruddy. Um, he was a lovely fellow, by the way, John Ruddy, I have to say. But anyway, yeah. I can't see anything but a Liverpool win here. Although it will be interesting to see what lineup Plot puts out because he does tend to weaken his side for the cups. Having said that, some of his kids will be is already aren't they? A couple of appearances and they're the world's best already in their positions. So, um, anything to add, to kind of Ben on Liverpool Norwich? I, I can't see anything but
2: a home win here. Yeah, pretty pretty straightforward. Could see them tying up four or five to be honest. Yeah, yeah. As, as you say, the. At the moment, I don't know if it's wor- worryingly or not, but I think even the the rotator teams at Klopp, to be mm. together at the moment, are, are um are doing the job. And I think with the likes of Nunes, it seems to be that he's he's basically playing Nunes as much as possible, whilst you know he's he's starting to score a few goals. Um, and you know you say the same for for Luis Garcia as well. So yeah, I think as I say, could see this one being four or five nil or something. Yeah. Okay, look before we move on, um. It's not going to happen of course but
0: you know it'd be quite fun to just discuss this. So let's say Newport won Manchester United nil. How funny would that be? <laughs> yeah I mean it would it'd just be a highlight be right? It'd be it'd be amongst the the city highlights for me in my lifetime. There would be Omar
1: Barada memes on city Twitter would Oh
0: god that? yes. Yeah yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: um it would be it would be great. I think it would really it would really bollocks Ten Hag as well. Yeah. Um, but do we want that? I mean, no, no. I feel really. like we're in Ollie territory with Ten Hag now, where it's like <laughs> you just want him, you, you do want him to win every now and again just to keep him in the job. Yeah. Um, but United have, over this break, they have started to get a lot of their good players back, haven't they? So, Lissandro Martinez is back, Casemiro is back, I think Varane's on the on the midst of coming back, Hoyland's fit again. So I mean they should obviously beat Newport, but I wouldn't I wouldn't totally rule it out with United this season. They've they've been so up and down and defensively I think they've been really poor. So I wouldn't rule it out, but I think with those
0: players back, they should be more solid, which yeah. has been the main issue. Yeah, it's got, it's got three nil all over it. This one, hasn't it? Kind of maybe kind of one nil for a good while. And then just in the last stages, uh, finished off, but we'll see. I mean, Newport have got a, a great heritage of, of cup upset in recent times. So we will see. Um, one of my favorite questions This I ask this every year when it comes to doing FA Cup podcasts. So I'll start with you, Ben. Of all the teams left in the competition, obviously Manchester City aside.
2: Who would do you want to have a really good cup run? Would it be Sheffield Wednesday? So I guess if I think first of all, if if they weren't playing others, I probably would um would say Spurs, to be honest. Um, oh, really just Well, I think just for you know, for getting history and things like that more the, the sort of ange factor, I guess. Um, you know, I've, I know mean, lots of people have said he's he's a likable yeah. guy and all that, but you know, they're they're just playing good stuff and I find them exciting to watch. Um and then, obviously, to disappoint you from what you, you mentioned earlier, <clears throat> I've got no allegiances to, to Leicester or anything like that, but I think, um, you know, Mareska's doing really well there. And whenever I, w- I watch them play, they're just playing really good stuff. And as Lloyd's touched on with, with Callum Doyle as well. um, And, you know, it's like we touched on earlier with the, the sort of opportunity with the ties is that, you know, if Leicester, for example, um, would were, were to beat Birmingham, that we we expect them to do, you know, they're they're one game away from being in the quarterfinals sort of thing. So, I think I I think those, you know, as I say, obviously Spurs are playing City, so it doesn't really count. But you know, I think for, if Leicester were to go on a bit of a run or something, I wouldn't be adverse to that. Um, mm. I do agree about the fans. I've been to games there and they're like waving pound notes, and you sort of think, do you? It's a little bit ironic there, but yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah. But as I say, they, they, they're a good team to watch this season.
0: Lloyd, what about you, just from a personal perspective? Is there any team that you, you're hoping, you know, kind of reaches the semis and beyond?
1: I hate to disagree with Ben and make it boring, but I think Spurs winning a, a trophy would be a big story, to be yeah. honest. I don't want them to beat us, obviously, but I think if they weren't playing City, then I do kind of hate Spurs, though. But I hope- <laughs> I hate them less now that Ange is the manager. So yeah, it would probably be them. But you know, aside from them, it actually it's got. I just want Maidstone to beat Ipswich. I think that would be amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um. Other than that, I'm not really asked to be honest. Wrexham um, would be fun, but I don't really have an allegiance for them either. Um, so it would it would be Spurs if we weren't playing them.
0: I'd, I mean, I've, I've said already. Shifty Wednesday commentary. I like both teams, but I'd also put into the mix Bristol City, um, biggest city in in the UK you know, without a Premier League team and and not at the top flight side since the 70s, I think, late 70s, Bristol City. Uh, And I vividly kind of recall that I used to love their kit and I've always had a bit of a soft spot for Bristol City. Ashton Park's a great ground as well. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would go for, if Bristol City beat Nottingham Forest tonight, you know, that's two Premier League kind of teams they've slayed and you would then, obviously, unless they were paired up against City in any later round, you'd want them to just go on. Or I would anyway. Um, Okay, just kind of to bring the mood down a little bit before we get on to Howard's interview with Theo. um, There's been talk of some significant changes to the FA Cup in order for its survival. We'll just let it carry on as it is, and then it survives. I mean, is that too simple? No, yeah, it is, apparently. So in order for it to survive, these changes have been proposed in recent months. In fact, going back to last July. Uh, I'll come to each of you. I'll start with you, Ben. So these proposals include scrapping replays in every round something of which I'd be okay with, although it would deprive smaller clubs of getting money-spinning replays. Early rounds moved to midweek, and this is the one that really gets me. I hate this. The final moved to the penultimate weekend of the season on the Saturday, with every other league fixture happening on the Sunday. How would you feel about these changes being implemented?
2: I think they they almost feel a bit unimaginative to me in terms mm. of, I think there's obviously the the issues around fixture congestion, um, you know, and obviously we, we've, you know, sort of fallen foul to that in terms of, apart from last season, you know, having the, the, the sort of times where we put our weakened teams for the semi-finals. But I, I just think there's that there's better ideas that they, they could do. So, you know, for example, with the, the replays, you know, m- maybe they, they have replays up until a certain round, you know, up until you know, maybe the fourth round or something is the last round that they have replays because essentially from that point of view, you know, maybe you'd expect most of the lower teams to sort of be out, but also they'll have had, you know, two, two big rounds of the third and fourth round where they'll have maybe had, um, you know, a top team home or away. Um, I think that there's also ideas there that, you know, potentially could you, could you do something where the, whoever it was drawn against in either of those rounds, they get the choice of where, where the game's played. Um, but, I mean the, the replay one has always been a bit a bit weak for me because it's, it's a bit like if you're a top team and, and I think most of these rules are, are aimed at you know benefiting the top teams it's you know if you can't beat a lower team um, in one of those games and it goes to a replay then essentially it's on you um, and you can't you know you yeah. can't sort of plead poverty on that um the, 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 the big one as you said for me would be you know the the actual the final. Match being being moving to a you know a regular season Sunday because I hate it. I mean, you know, as as again we've we've all touched on previously, it's all, that that final day of the season. You know, is a is a big thing that you know. Growing up, you used to even you know obviously City were involved, but growing up used to be a case of me and my mates would all go to the pub and watch. Watch the FA Cup final, and it just gets just gets swallowed up in the norm. It'd almost be, you know, you'd look down the fixtures and think, oh yeah, the cup finals on today, isn't it? Sort of thing. Um, and particularly for you know, for us, hopefully we're involved in in um, in the title race. You know, we're going to be you know absolutely bang up for for that and right in the mix of that as well. So it's just as I said, it's it's unimaginative, and I think there's there's other things that they can do to to get around it really. Lloyd, how do you feel about it? I mean, it all stems from the Premier League attempting to buy the foreign
0: TV rights for the FA Cup and in doing so kind of, you know, getting quite a great deal of influence over the kind of running of the FA Cup. Um, and from that, there was kind of talk of, oh yeah, but then the Premier League, what they could do as well is kind of sell on the domestic rights to the highest bidder as well. I don't know how, quite how that works, but then, you know, taking it away from ITV and BBC, all around, they're just going to kill the competition.
1: Yeah, I mean, I echo everything that Ben said. I don't like it, obviously. And I think sometimes, you know, as City fans or fans of a big Premier League team, you've got to take a step back and realise, you know, fixture congestion is quite a unique problem to a certain, well, to the Premier League, but also to a certain part of the Premier League. None of the teams in like the Championship League One, et cetera, or fans of those clubs are are thinking in the same way that the that the that we are or some of the, some of the fans of like the big six are, I think you know there's, there's a lot more people's viewpoints and clubs to be taken, um, to be like considered outside of, outside of the big six when it comes to the FA cup. So no, it's, it's, it's not something at all that I'm happy with. I, I and I think the the one that really irks me is what you've both discussed, which is moving the date of the final. Yeah. You know, that's, that's just ridiculous. Um, it obviously just allows the game just to kind of like disappear into the swamp almost um, because, you know, the, there could be a huge Premier League game, for example, you know, one game out that basically decides the title and the FA Cup might just get lost in the mud.
0: So, yeah. no, I don't I don't like it at all. Yeah, it could be where, you know, Manchester United win the league and then we play FA Cup final a few hours later as they did for <laughs> us back in the day. Um, okay. Okay. Before we get to Spurs City, uh, here's Howard talking to Theo Delaney um, from a Spurs perspective.
3: Um, Delighted to be joined once more by Spurs, Theo Delaney. Uh, Good afternoon, Theo. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Howard? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Weekend approaches. (laughs) Yeah. Which always get a bit happier as the weekend approaches. Yeah. I could do without a Friday night match, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah. Not that long since we spoke, uh, for those that listen to our show. Before that, annoying, for me anyway, 3 old draw. Uh, I assume you're just as happy with your manager of performances a couple months down the road.
4: Absolutely. I mean, I think he's worked miracles. Uh, to be honest, I think every every Tottenham fan's completely well. I, I'm sure I was already saying this when we last spoke, but we're completely smitten. We can't believe it, it how dramatically and suddenly he's turned everything around in terms of the quality of play, but also in terms of you know the effectiveness of the play. And and really, we've had we we've, we've had the last three months basically with a sort of skeleton crew, if you like, and he's still managed mm-hmm. to keep us in that you know in that the chasing pack. So. Yeah, we love him. We're, we're happy. We've, we haven't been this happy for years.
3: <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. The most impressive aspect is how he's maintained levels despite the injuries because it looked like you were going to have a lull. It looked yeah. like you know, the honeymoon was over, but he's, he's dragged it back in a way.
4: Yeah, I mean a little mini-lull happened. I mean obviously everything just fell apart. We were top of the league and unbeaten and then we played Chelsea that night in November and everything fell apart. We lost both center halves. We lost the playmaker Madison. Uh we even lost temporarily the left back. These are crucial brilliant big players for us, you know. And we did then actually lose a couple of games. We lost but but we were a bit unlucky in both those home games we lost to Villa and West Ham. Um, and we went to City of course uh, in that, that that, that's the circumstances under which we went to Manchester City mm. and got an incredible point and it must have been annoying from a City point of view yeah because really <laughs> they looked like they were going to yeah. yeah I mean it looked like they should win the game it wasn't going to be a big problem and they certainly would have expected to beat a depleted Tottenham in that situation but Tottenham you know Tottenham as, as we know are a bit of a bogey team to City and they came out with that amazing last minute equaliser and and that triggered something with Spurs. It gave them renewed belief. I think in their ability to still still do well even without those crucial players, because they were a long way from getting certainly Van der Ven and Madison back at that stage, and even Romero. And we were to re- lose Romero again, even after he came back from his suspension to an injury. So it was a significant, big deal moment. I think for. Angie's Tottenham, and they didn't really look back after that. We've had a, a string of really good results over Christmas and everything. We've had, we very rarely lose. Uh, and um, you know. And now, of course, all these players are coming back. Indeed. Was that, I mean, I've
3: watched, I've watched quite a lot of you, but not all, you know, not like, mm. obviously a Tottenham fan would watch every minute intently and yeah. you know every little aspect. Have levels drops off
4: at least a bit. You've kept the results going, but... There must well, have been ha- some drop off with those injuries yeah. and
3: absences. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I mean, they're, they're so significant, those injuries. I mean, we, we were yeah. playing for a long time with two full-backs, not even, you know, first choice fullbacks at centre half in uh, Emerson Royale and Ben Davis. Ben Davis had played some games at centre half for Wales, and, uh, but always in a back right. three. And Emerson Royale just wasn't a centre back, you know, and and yet he. So, yeah, I think defensively we were much more vulnerable. There was a drop off defensively. Uh, offensively, obviously, we missed Madison because he is the chief creator. He can make something happen out of nothing, especially when you're playing a team that is occupying the old low block. But um, you know, others stepped up. Luchesso came in. He's injured now, of course, yeah. but he came in and put in a I'm shift sure like he'd never done. It. Yeah. yeah. And he, he he put in a shift like he'd never done before in a Spurs shirt. Um, Kulisewski sometimes was playing centrally as well to make the play. So um, there was a drop off definitely, but even with the drop off, we still managed, as I said, we still managed to accumulate a lot of points, enough points to be, you know, in, in up there, right in it. You know, we haven't, we've never been very far behind City in the race, and they're, they're obviously the the team you are most looking at.
3: Yeah. Uh, Richarlison's finally in the goals. So, what's changed in that respect? Was he a, a bit unlucky, unfortunate
4: before? Or was, has his form really taken a big up? To he, he he is a really curious player, Richarlison. I mean, you look at all the strikers we've had over the years. What he, he you know, given that he's been Brazil's first choice number nine for, <laughs> for a number of years, you know, and has scored lots yeah. of goals wherever he's been, he's scored lots of goals for Brazil, scored probably the goal of the tournament in the last World Cup. He scored lots of goals at Everton. Everton fans love him. Kept him up. They'll tell you, you know. Um, he scored lots of goals at Watford, of course. So when you, when you get a player like that with those kind of credentials, you pay quite a lot of money for him, what you expect him to be is, is kind of technically excellent. And he isn't. He's not technically excellent. But he is an incredible worker, grafter, trier. And he's, techn- he's pretty good technically, but he's not, he's not top draw. So you realize quite quickly that the way he's done it is by sheer brute determination uh, and good engine. You know, he's got a bit of pace. He's he's very, very hardworking, uh, very physical, but also he needs confidence. And I think what he was lacking until recently was that crucial last ingredient, because if he's feeling miserable and down on himself, you see it million times with strikers. It's about conviction. And and on all players really, it's about do they believe in what they do they believe what they're about to do is going to work.
3: Yeah,
4: and he didn't have conviction for a while, and I think slowly, most Tottenham fans were giving up on him. But Ange didn't, and Ange kept him in and and played him back central. You know, because for a while he stuck him out on the left, he put Son in the middle, but he ch- he swapped it back and. I think um now he's got that he's got a, he's got a bit more conviction so he's got all the other attributes which don't go away he's always worked hard he always puts his shift in that's why fans do like him but now he believes when he's in front of goal and uh I think that that's why he's now scoring and and that's of course the complete package if you're centre forwards doing all those other things and scoring then um you're laughing so uh, you know long may that continue
3: mm. just had a quick look at the Premier League table because Try not to most of the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, you three points behind City. Though we played a game less, of course, because that yeah. jaunt to Saudi Arabia. Uh, the title race itself. Just thought we'd before we look at the match this week and uh, just talk about yeah. that for a couple of minutes. You feel like Spurs can go the whole way and at least be in contention at season end. Yeah, well,
4: Have you got that belief now that you're a contender for the season as a whole. Yeah, I mean the thing is. There's many ways of looking at this. If you're a Tottenham fan, you don't expect to be in the title race full stop. I mean, it's happened about, mm. you know, three times in the last 40 years or something like that. So you, you, it's very hard to believe you're in the title race from that point of view. Also, nobody else believes you sh- that Tottenham are ever going to be in the title race, the media and the pundits and everything. But yeah. if you actually look at the situation, there's, there's two things that make you think, hold on a minute, maybe. One is, when we did have all of our big players fit, we were top of the league and unbeaten. So... That that's essentially you can't do any better than that. Top of the league, unbeaten. I think we'd won eight and drawn two or something like that. Crazy yeah. figures. The other thing is what I love is what. But they asked Ange a few weeks ago uh, something like ab- about the title race, and he said, "Well, nobody thinks we're in the title race, but, but uh, you know, you only have to look at our form or you look at the table." He he's used to being in title races. He his attitude is. I'm only here to win stuff. I always win wherever I go. I've never not won. So if you ask me, am I in the title race? And I'm just a few points off in fourth or fifth place. Yeah, of course, of course, I think I'm in the title race. That's what I'm doing. And now we have the players back, so we're not tending to lose much at the moment. We're playing pretty well with the defence. is a crucial thing. We've the last couple of games we've had the we've had a complete first choice defence, and that first choice defence, whereas the one we had before, as we had two okay uh, full-backs playing centre-half. We've now got uh, 2 fullbacks and two centre-backs that are top class. I mean, that we get in almost any other team. All four of them, they're that good. And so is the goalkeeper. So that's the first thing. I wouldn't swap them. Uh, and if we get Madison back and keep him fit, then suddenly we're really, really um, making things happen at the other end of the pitch as well. And then, so why not? We don't tend to lose. We haven't tended to lose many games without those players. Yeah. So you think why not? The only thing, of course, um, you look at the fixtures, and we've got really, really tough running before the. La- I think the last two games it eases off, but I think there's a spell of games before the last two games There's about four or five games. All of them are massive games against massive teams, yeah. so we would need to be really in the tight race before that run because <laughs> we're probably going to shoot uh, drop some points then. But then but the very fact that I'm able to tell you that will tell you that I've been looking at the fixtures and looking at the run-in. So I've So if I'm a betting man, I'm I'm lumping onto Manchester City. Manchester City have the pedigree, Manchester City have the best players, uh, and Manchester City, you know, are are starting to get on a run that you expect them to get on as we as we enter the new year. But uh if Man City find it tough going, if they get some more injuries You know, if they get, if they find it tough going with the schedule, because it would be interesting, actually, we're going to talk about this cup tie, but whoever goes out of it gets a little advantage, a small advantage out of that
3: in the league. City have a brutal March. You might have a brutal April. City have a very brutal March period. Yeah.
4: And of course, if they're still in the Champions League, that's super brutal. And you expect them to be because they're probably favourites to win the Champions League. I'm sure they are if you look at the bookies. So, yeah, I, I mean that—that's your—that's your glimmer of hope with City is that they—they they will have they, the, the one of the reasons why people don't hate Man City, despite the fact they win all the time, oh. is that they're they're yeah, a I'm good. Are you sure about that? <laughs> well, I, I don't. Anyway, I, 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 it's not like no. when Arsenal were winning everything or United were winning everything. And I think one of the reasons is they're great to watch, but also they are They, they will—they'll give you a chance. The way they play is a bit hmm. like Tottenham. They're not gonna. They're not gonna grind these results out. They're gonna play really good football, and, and good teams will come and give them a game. And they'll sometimes they might lose, you know. So I think there's that. That's, that's a, everybody's saying. A lot of people are talking up Liverpool, and you look at Liverpool, and they do look kind of full of um, sort of grim. They have a slightly machine type quality that they've they've got, you know, where they, they just get the results. But and again, they're quite good to watch. I just I'm just not sure about them. I'm not sure they have the quality that City have. And are you sure I don't about
3: Arsenal.
4: I don't I don't honestly don't think Arsenal are going to. I mean, <laughs> maybe I'm biased, but I don't think. <laughs> Perish I the don't. Yeah, I don't think I don't think they've got the. the I, I, do you know what? I think their biggest weakness is their manager. I don't think he's got the temperament. We know that Klopp's got it. We know that Guardiola's got it, and we strongly suspect, on the evidence so far, that Ange's got it. But Arteta, he's tended to blow it in the past, and you 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 think it's because of his. I think Arteta has emotional weaknesses, let's say, and I think they've they've come. They've they've affected them in the past, and I think they will continue to affect them. So I, I actually don't. I don't think Arsenal are really in it. I don't. I think Spurs are an outside bet. I think if you, you know, most likely City will win it. Liverpool, they've got points on the board, so you'd probably say they're second most likely. I think Spurs are the are in the top three best teams. Put it that way. So if things happen with Liverpool and City that we can take advantage of, who knows? Uh, finally, before
3: we talk about the match, we'll finish off with that preview. Uh, Eric Dieter. By Munich, uh, bloody hell! Yeah, bit left field. Uh, surprised this has happened. Bothered well, it has gone. And your thoughts on your player's time at the club? Underrated, fairly criticised. Great servant. Where do you sit with him, basically?
4: Well, I think when somebody like that leaves, uh, you tend to think, you know, he's a good guy. I mean, well, he, he's a good guy. That's the first thing. That's all that, But and I think. He's a good influence in the dressing room and all that stuff. He's a proper leader. He's, a, he's, a, he's an excellent bloke. He was a decent player. I think his best spell was when he played in central midfield, when he first played in central midfield, which was out of necessity under Pochettino. We were short of a central midfielder. And we had Alderweireld and uh, Vertonghen at the back. So we didn't need him to play in the back three. And we, there was a vacancy in midfield. Then we put him in. And the first, first time we heard that was going to happen, we are all like, what? You can't play him in midfield. This is, you know, everyone's like, Levy, get out of our club. So he goes in midfield out of necessity and within um, six or eight weeks, he's in the England squad as a midfielder. Yeah. I mean, this is, um, we're talking about 2016 or something now. And that tells you a lot about him as a footballer, as a character. And I thought he was pretty good when he played in central midfield when he first started. The trouble with, as you know, the central midfield position, uh, central defence position is there's no hiding place all your mistakes almost like being a goalkeeper every mistake you make is a glaring one that will have consequences and i certainly wish him well i can see why in a way if you want someone just for the second half of a season you want it's a bit like us buying Werner in some ways what they know is they've got the finished article he's been there and done it he's played in world cups he's scored winning penalties in world cup penalty shootouts he's played in the champions league final he knows what to do. So it's not like they have to worry about any of that. He can, he can handle himself. So I think, in a way, is a pretty true um, acquisition for them.
3: Will he be missed then by you, or was he totally out of favour?
4: No, he was totally out in of favour. I don't think anyone thought he was able... There's no way he gets into our team ahead of Van der Ven or Romero. We were slightly surprised he didn't get in ahead of, uh, you know, Emerson Royale uh, yeah. in central defence. But, of course, he had no real pace... Yeah, he doesn't get in ahead of Romero. He doesn't get uh, in ahead of Van der Ven, and he is, uh, uh, you know, no way. It's the way he lacks the the required mobility to play in Ange's system. Basically, doesn't have pace, doesn't have mobility, so he's no way he's going to get in. So we don't miss him as in in a footballing sense.
3: Yeah, fair enough. Well, good luck to him. Yeah, an interesting left field uh, there. I'm surprised, but he's yeah. already playing for them. Uh, yeah. Right, let, let's talk about the match. What were your first thoughts Friday night when uh, the, the draw was made
4: and it's Tottenham well, I was really, against Manchester to City? Re- yeah, I was really pissed off because <laughs> we, yeah, we want to win the cup. We want to win the cup. So if you want to win the cup, the last thing you want is to draw Manchester City
3: yeah.
4: uh, because they're the best team. So... From that perspective, I was really pissed off. Um, that's the nature of the cup—is luck of the draw, etc. Yeah. Uh, I, I, mean, I noticed straight away on uh, Twitter, a fair few Man City fans going, "Oh no, not that! That's the one draw we didn't want," you know, because of course there's this perceived curse that City and City have never scored not at perceived that stadium. Actual, right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, they've never even scored at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, so obviously, in that from that point of view, there, it is. There's, there are no other stadiums answered for that description in, in for Manchester City. So, mm. but then and then once I came to terms with it, I kind of figured, well, at least we're at home, I, and I yeah. think it could be a fantastic game. And if yeah. we get through, um, you know, then we'll really it'll be a massive confidence booster, and we'll, uh, you know, we'll go forward very confidently in you know with a view to maybe winning this blasted thing after up first time in 23 uh, 33 years i can't believe i'm saying that but i was there the last time we won it and no one dreamed that it would be this long before we won it again and we still haven't won it yet
3: for those younger listeners uh who was it you was it nine
4: it was yeah. 1991 against Nottingham. One. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to do the maths now. Yeah, It was a great uh, final. It was a very, very good, famous final because Gascoigne, Paul Gascoigne played, he dragged us to the final and then he, hmm. he went bonkers in the first five, ten minutes and got stretched off and massively smashed his knee up, had a year out as a result of it. We went one down from the resulting free kick and we ended up winning it 2-1 in injury time. So it was huge. It was absolutely huge, big, big dramatic final. So we win the Cup 2-1 and, uh, you know, that was the eighth time we'd won it, which was a record at the time. Mm. And now we're nowhere near the record. So we think of ourselves, if you really have a vintage like mine, we think of ourselves as a Cup team, but based on what? Certainly not based on any anything <laughs> that's happened in the last 30 years. So uh, we're desperate to win it.
3: Yeah, are you annoyed at the Friday night as well, or you're not bothered? Or you're happy with yeah, it.
4: Yeah, I, I am annoyed. I am annoyed because it's not traditional. I'm annoyed for all those fans that have to I mean, if you're a Manchester City fan, that is infuriating. I imagine yeah. you you have to try and get the afternoon off work, or probably the day, really, realistically, mm. which is not an easy thing to do. You have to get all the way to London, and then you, you've got to try and get back from London at ten ten, ten thirty at night from Tottenham, which isn't even in the middle of London. Uh, it's really brutal no, for the no. fans. I mean, I live in I live in N8, which is like postcode round, basically from N17. But it's not, you know, it's anyone who lives far afield. Never mind Manchester. It's really brutal, and uh, mm. I think it's a real shame. But the FA Cup is they really milk the TV uh, potential. And some one of the games was going to get Friday night, and yeah. this was the biggest game. So I guess oh, wow. that's just the way it goes.
3: They must have first pick because, yeah, I thought it might be a Sunday or something. Which
4: yeah.
3: Uh, you've obviously said how important it is to you, and I agree. It is for me as well. It might be third priority of the, the you know, it's the FA Cup and City of the Holders as well. So, and I've always, you know, from a childhood, I've always had a huge affinity to this cup and never thought we'd ever get to a final. Uh, for Postacoglu, he's going to go, he's going to consider it really important and plays his stronger side surely.
4: I think so. I think it would be really good for Spurs to have a cup run for all the reasons I've said we need mm. to win something. We'd be particularly keen to win the FA Cup. And we're not in Europe so we don't have to worry about that fixture congestion. We we're, we're not in the League Cup final. We have not played for, you know, best part of two weeks. We haven't yeah. got to play again till Wednesday. Yeah. Um we we need to win something. Uh, so I can't see any good reason for it, and not to play a full strength yeah. side, you know, under the lights, full house in the cup. Yeah, Madison too soon to start the match. Madison maybe too soon for him, but you, I wouldn't be that surprised. Postecoglou sometimes brings surprises with these things. Yeah. Bentenkier came back with no warning. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we weren't expecting it at all. A few weeks ago, he suddenly appeared. In the starting lineup, we were absolutely amazed. We thought he was yeah. a few weeks away, and so you never know. At the very least, he could put him on the bench and bring him on for the last twenty minutes if we yeah. if we need him. You know,
3: that won't surprise me. Uh, Son sort of big miss, of course, though. Somehow, he'll yeah. still
4: he'll still manage to score. Uh, <laughs> <but> <laughs> yeah, Besuma and Saab, big misses too. I think our best midfield. Most people would think is Kerr, Madison plus one. Probably. And the plus one is definitely one of Saar or Basuma. So, um, yeah, they are a miss. Uh, without them, it will be Skip or Hoibier who are fine, but they're a downgrade. So, yeah, mm-hmm. we do miss them. And we certainly miss Son. Yeah. I mean, Son is, uh, so, he's not just the, our best, not just our best goal scorer, but he's our, um, he's our leader. You know, he's our, yeah. he's our, he's our uh, talisman and city's city's bogeyman. So we're going to miss yeah. him. Yeah.
3: Yeah, one of 11 bogeymen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. How do you see the game playing out then? Uh, high line, both sides in a way. Yeah, uh, It's got to be I, a great game, surely.
4: It's got everything everything you need to set up a great game. It's a cup tie, a mouth-watering prospect, especially for the neutrals. Two attacking teams. N- you know, no reason not to just go for it. It's a cup tie after all, and someone has to go out on the night. Um, I think it'll be a great game, and hopefully, a, a, quite, quite possibly a high-scoring one.
3: Yeah, score prediction four three to Spurs. Ooh, I think I've no one wants a replay, really, do they? But I'm no. going to to all is my theory, which is bullshit of me to predict City scoring at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. But hey, um, it's the magic of the Cup, so I'm going for it. So, but yeah, it should be an amazing game, shouldn't it? Uh, interesting I think way so. to start the weekend. Eh, finally. Don't suppose you've done any city-related podcast elsewhere recently?
4: Ah, uh, yeah, I've had <laughs> um, I've had David Yelland on. It was a great city podcast because he came on, but he brought his son. David Yelland's yeah. a really interesting guy. He used to edit the Sun, and he was a big deal in the Murdoch empire and everything. And he's quite interesting on in all of that but he had a there was a kind of tragic turn of events in his life where his first wife died who was the mother of his son max mm. and he had to he had struggles with alcoholism which he eventually overcame and the two of them had to come through this incredibly dark uh period and they yeah. talk about it very movingly and they talk about the importance of manchester city in that story so you get all the football; they're massive, massive diehard fans. So you get all the football stretching back to Trevor Francis in '82. You get oh well, Ricky Villier. So he starts with Ricky Villier. That's his now You have to choose a sickner when you choose your life goals. But th- but then he talks about all of everything that he, uh, him and his son been through. He brings his brother in as well at one point. And they're all City absolute diehards, and it's so it's mm. a really good City podcast. David Yelland on life goals, yeah.
3: Two- yeah, two parter. So just uh, and your podcast is called again
4: Life Goals with Theo Delaney.
3: Brilliant. All right. I look forward to listening to uh, dipping it into this morning, but it is a two parter, uh, about yeah. two hours I just couldn't quite fit it into my because it's like yeah, yeah. I really have to do some work today rather sure. than just this is a podcast, but I look yeah. forward to listening to that later. Yeah, I dipped in and it was even the little bits I was listening to was fascinating. So yeah, looking forward that to that, Theo. So, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you again. Uh, thank you very much for taking the time out to speak to me. Pleasure's all mine. Yes, and as always, after this weekend, all the best uh, with the rest of the season. So thank you again, and we now go back to the panel to preview the big
0: match on Friday evening. Some interesting stuff there from Theo as always and thank you very much for doing that mate and let's get to Tottenham Manchester City Um, Friday night this is the last question on the pod but I'm going to actually ask this start at the start um, because then hopefully it'll lead to how we feel about the trains and, and etc before we get to the actual game itself Ben. Friday night football. Uh, how do you feel about City playing on a Friday night? And how do you feel about the fact that, you know, you would have gone to this game, but you're now unable to?
2: Yeah, so I guess from, uh, starting, I guess from like a, an un- unselfish pers- point of view, um, they, they've they obviously these last few seasons done this thing with the FA Cup, haven't they, where essentially, um, and obviously there was a game last night um, that they basically have a full weekend of football. So, you know, normally starts on the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Um so I guess that that is the the point of this. And you know, from a, going into the FA Cup weekend, as I say, if you were you weren't a match going fan or you know, if you were an overseas fan or something, you know, this is the start of a of a big weekend. Um, so, you know, I, I get it from from that point of view. Um but yeah from a from a personal point of view um because of the train times and everything um, we're not we're not able to go. Um, we, we we definitely would have gone. Obviously, with the allocation, of a, a good chance of getting a ticket. Um, but it would have meant for us um, a hotel stay. So I think, for example, the last train um, back to back to Chester for me is it is it nine o'clock, which is obviously. You know when when the second half kicks off, the last Jesus one to Manchester Christ. it's ten o'clock, and, and these train times are are, are um for Euston, and you know Lloyd will will know better than me. But my understanding is you know it's at least half an hour from yeah from White Hart Lane in, into Euston, so so there's oh, no, yeah. no chance of that. Um, it would have been a hotel stay, you know, and I'd be going with my teenage son who he doesn't yet drink more than me, but he certainly eats more than me. So <laughs> so it wouldn't it wouldn't be a cheap deal, you know. Of course um, you know, uh, hotels, you know, even, you know, a, a Premier Inn or something like that, you know, hotel prices on a Friday night almost double in London. Um, so yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a non-starter. Um and it would have you know it would have been a, a great day out if it, you know, if it was a five thirty kickoff, for example, on the Saturday or or, you know, even even a four o'clock on a Sunday, you know, it would have been a bit more bit more doable. But, you know, fair fair play to 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 the city fans who, who are going, it's it's sold out. Um, I'm sure it'll be, you know, a great atmosphere of nine thousand blues there. Um, but yeah, it's 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 the same old argument, isn't it? Really, is that the actual match going fan? You know, there's not there's not much consideration. And as my first point was that it's the start of a bumper FA Cup weekend from the on the telly, I guess. Yeah, I mean, Lloyd, apologies
0: for coming to you with a likely doom and gloom answer because uh, that's. Very likely, the only answer you can give to this, but this isn't going to change, is it? This is how it is now. That you know, at least once a season, pretty much every fan base, particularly in the in the top flight, are going to just get absolutely screwed over and messed around because you know the priorities lie elsewhere as regards to TV rights and 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 making money.
1: Yeah, and I think unfortunately, the proof's in the pudding, and the the game has almost no possibility they've set so there's almost no possibility for a city fan to get home to Manchester tonight after the game using public transport so you've got to, you've got to either drive or you've got to get on a coach that you've got to organize from Manchester and yet nine thousand tickets sold within a day so the the problem is whilst we all hate it and we'll we're, we're, we're all complaining about it city sold 9000 seats within less than a day mm. so they're going to do it aren't they
0: yeah yeah
1: so that's the bottom line unfortunately they're putting people's love for their club and travelling up against all these practical and um, dif- difficulties in terms of being able to make the game being you know doing what doing what you can the next day like ben said probably having to stay over and yet people still make you know the effort and
0: uh, make affordances to mean that they can be
1: there yeah
0: yeah but yeah i mean and that probably is the same for every fan base as well you know obviously city fan base is is just amazing but and loyal and, and just the dedication show to go to these games is incredible but you could say that for for almost every other fan base as well in terms of their away support and so yeah it, it, it's never going to be resolved because just it's just not going to be resolved, is it? it, it we're all addicted
2: out. to the drug, unfortunately. Yeah, only, I yeah,
0: and they know <laughs> it, and it's and they and they capitalize on it and take advantage of it, and it and it stinks. It really does. Um, looking at the game itself, uh, I'll come to you first, Ben. Spurs have won the last four against us at home in the league,
2: all to nil. Are you fearful of history repeating itself? I, I don't think, in terms of goals, um, in t- or, you know, in terms of lack of goals, I, I think we're we're sort of in a good spot at the moment. Um, I think in all, obviously some of this includes the the World Club Cup, but that's with the Newcastle game, that's six on the bounce now that we've won, um, which is, you know, might be a little bit too early, but it feels like it could be start of something. Yeah, absolutely. Run, hopefully. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of, you know, us, us drawing a blank in this game, I, I, I don't see it. I think, I think in general, the game is, is going to be a lot of goals it's in terms of both teams, how they play. Um, but yeah, so I think it'll, I think it'll certainly be an entertaining one for sure. The amount of chances we've missed down there in recent years, Jesus <laughs> Christ,
0: it's,
1: that can't continue. Um, I've retweeted a video on my timeline this morning. I've seen it it's and just the amount of misses in that stadium is a fucking joke. I've forgotten half of them, so just go and watch it to torture yourself. Is that before. psychological,
0: Lloyd, do you think can 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 it get to the stage, or is it at the stage now where it's possibly psychological? I think it is, to be honest. So I think Howard gave
1: a great answer on this a couple of pods ago where he was like, you know, usually with these kind of things, it's nonsense and the players don't care and the management aren't really aware. Mm -hmm. And like someone might bring it up with them in an interview. But mate, Pep, after we won the treble, was like, (laughs) what are your hopes for next season? He's like, I want to score at the Tottenham Hotspur (laughs) Stadium. So he obviously... He's aware of it. The players are obviously aware of it. I think yeah, it's five games there, five losses, zero goals and like fourteen XG or something stupid. Uh th- three missed pens. So I mean we've got to, we've got to break the hoodoo at some point. This feels like a good opportunity. No Kane and Son. That's usually why we lose to Spurs. Yeah. yeah. So that is that is a massive factor. Mesuma
0: um, and Sar as well. So the energy from their midfield is absent as well. Albeit, I watched Ange's press conference yesterday, and he said Madison's fit, and he thinks he could
1: start. So that that's a huge boost for them because they've really missed him. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a thing. Yeah, I think the players will be going there,
0: being like, "Oh, for fuck's
1: sake, <laughs> it Spurs away." Yeah. So.
0: 2-0 loss. <laughs> uh, well, I, I don't want to jinx anything, but I'm not overly concerned about Madison, um, purely because he's been out for so long, um, and, and he's going to be rusty. He has to be rusty, but I don't want to jinx anything, and he could put in a here against us. Of course he could. Uh, the lineup's going to be really interesting, do you think? Kind of, I mean, perhaps got to play his, start, his strongest 11, surely, but, um, so between the two of you, what kind of lineup do you think Pep is going to put out,
2: Ben? I think correct me if I'm wrong, but I, th- I think it would be the same uh, lineup that we had against Newcastle. Um right. I, th- I think in, in Pep's press conference last night he said Pep um, was was fit to start. I still think I think in the Newcastle game, obviously he was he was awesome when he came on, but he. He apart from the odd overlapping run, he was almost like you know. Sometimes you see, and it, you know, you have to be a great player to do this, but he wasn't. He wasn't moving around a sort of ten meter sort of circle. Um, mm. And he said after the game himself, you know, that's that's all he had was twenty minutes or something. So I think we'll see some of Kev, but I don't think we'll see him from the start. Maybe maybe half an hour or, or something like that. So I think the lineup um, against Newcastle. So I think it was Edison, Walker, Diaz, Ake, Gavardial, um, and then Rodri, Kovacic in the middle, uh, Doku on the left, Bernardo on the right, and then Alvarez and then Foden just behind him. I think, I think that's what we'll see the lineup.
0: Lloyd, where where do you kind of land on on Kev? Do you, th- do you disagree with Ben there? Do you think he may start? I think he could start actually. I think having had the it's the twelve camp- days, I guess isn't it? So there is time. But it's um, uh, for me, it's, it's a coin flip. I really don't know. Yeah, I think. Because they've had they've had a rest and then they've done some
1: warm weather training, which I assume would have been quite intense. Um, and the, uh, Guardiola had spoken quite a bit about de, de, that being really good for De Bruyne getting over there, just getting kind of more because um, it's just like continuous weeks in your legs, isn't it, mm. post your injury? I think if 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 we're being really sensible, Burnley at home sounds like a Perfect game for him to f- start his first game, but I think with the lead that we've had since the Newcastle game, and the fact that because we play on Friday, you've then got Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then we play Burnley on Wednesday. I think I think he could start. So um, yeah, I, th- I I I
0: think coin flip's probably right. Yeah, yeah, it's it's we'll, we'll see, we'll see very soon. Actually, it's uh, in a matter of hours. Um, what about Oscar Bob starting? start well, yeah, I mean it's an FA Cup game, and and you'd expect fourth round of FA Cup to be him to to start, but Spurs away, I don't know, I I, I can't see it myself. I think he'll be on the bench, but again, that's a coin flip. Um, yeah, it's a really tough one to kind of predict. Although I think Ben may ultimately be right. I think it could well be the same lineup as we so saw against Newcastle, which just brings me to another psychological question, really. Um, Ben, it's been twelve days. But that was a rousing finish against Newcastle, and and the manner in which it was celebrated, and you know, it really felt like this is going to be the start of something. Now we're we're back. Now, is it a shame that it's been almost two weeks since that game? You know, it would have been great to just basically keep going three or four days later have another game. Do you think that momentum, in terms of a psychological standpoint, do you think that momentum has been lost now?
2: No, uh, I I don't think so. I, I I think for me personally, as a fan. It more works the other way is you know I think if we have an international break or or some kind of enforced break or, or maybe even sometimes it's a, a break from a league match after a, after we've dropped points that's more frustrating I feel like you know if we've lost or drawn I want us to be playing another game three or four days later to get back into it um, I think the the Newcastle performance in, in general um, was, was, was excellent I thought even when you know obviously we went 2-1 down but you know, I was stood there thinking, how how are we two on down here? We've absolutely dominated um for most of the game. Yes, there was, there was vulnerabilities and we've we've seen them, you know, for a lot of this season. But um but yeah, it, it it was huge. And I think you've heard as well enough comments from the players talking about how much it is for a boost for them to see Kev coming back. And you know, we we all feel it as fans and you know, when when you see him warming up and and or coming onto the pitch is a huge boost for the fans. But but I think it's it's big for the players to have somebody of his quality and experience coming back into the team. Um, mm. But yeah, if it's a funny thing to say because obviously we went two one down, but it, it was one of our best performances of the season. Um, and yeah, like like others others have said, and Stefan's tweet after the game, there's there's nothing like a last minute winner, and we do, we sort of feel like. We haven't had many over over the last few years, so for us to get that and um, and to you know for it to be Kev as well, and and obviously Oscar Bogg. so there's there's so many factors to it, but I think and as I said earlier, I'm, I'm hoping that you know this now is going to be going to be the start of something special. Um, you mentioned
0: there about kind of you know, the importance of Kev coming back, uh, and obviously John Stones is back in the squad now, and um, it's going to be absolutely key for the rest of the season and to have him fit. And that's going to be a huge boost too. one player who absolutely won't be featuring no Lloyd is Calvin Phillips, uh, who went for his medical at West Ham yesterday uh, ahead of a loan deal. Pep, Pep's response to it was entirely, I should expect, you know, he, he praised the player for his attributes. He said he was incredible uh, at Leeds, um, but that he just couldn't kind of, do what he wanted to do in that specific role in the middle, the Rodri role, if you like. And, and you know, he was stating how difficult it is for for any player to do that. Is that all it is with Calvin Phillips? And just entirely from a personal point of view, I know that none of us know anything about this and we're just grasping in the dark in this regard, so it's not a reflection on Calvin Phillips as a person. But just from your personal point of view, do you think there's more to it? Do you think he hasn't applied himself? Do you think he could have done more?
1: No, I don't think there is more to it. I think, I think it's quite cut and dry. Actually, um, unlike, for example, the Laporte situation, where I definitely think there's something right, that okay, happened. Okay, okay. So, I think Aeson and I kind of shared this anecdote a, a while ago with Phillips, and I saw that Sam put it pen to paper on it in his Phillips article. But the story goes that when when they signed Phillips. And Lavia was still at the club before he went to Southampton. In the first week of him training with the first first team in the kind of summer training, they then let Lavia go in the second week. Um, and they were like, the, apparently the coaches were like, What have we done? That lad's better than Calvin Phillips.
0: Oh, Christ.
1: And it was I think the struggles were mainly in relation to the thing that Rodri's so good at is playing with his back to goal when when you're being pressed from all different directions, yeah. taking the ball from the goalkeeper, spinning on the half turn and then and then getting rid of it. I think Peps actually said uh, in his in his press conference last night the ones that were released at half ten that he think he thought Calvin was missing quote a little bit in that respect yeah, and that fa- facing forwards and you know playing those kind of long raking passes that he plays and did so often at Leeds he 's really good. But it's that kind of tight spaces, uh, back to goal, um, particularly under pressure. That he's, that he's just not that suited for City's team. Now, I think it's weird that they didn't notice that. If that's you know a really kind of fundamental problem with his game when they were scouting him, because that's something that would probably stand out to you quite yeah. significantly. But I do remember watching Leeds a lot uh, in under Bielsa, and he was very adept at that but Leeds played in a slightly different way and I don't think they had the same kind of full court press that City have had over these last couple of seasons because a lot of teams now in the Premier League they are giving it a go. They're not playing as dead as I think they have across most of Pep's reign. So I think that's probably the bottom line. I think that the over, the overweight thing can't have helped, but I think that was probably more ammunition for Pep to use at the time when he wasn't happy with the player. Yeah. Um, again, I listened to, I think it was Ornstein on the Athletic pod last night say that another very prominent City player came back overweight from the World Cup and Pep didn't make anything of it, but he did with Phillips. Yeah. So I think as weird as it is, they just didn't rate him, which is very yeah. strange and doesn't happen very often, particularly at City. But I think generally in, in Premier League football, for for you to spend that money on a player, they turn up and you go, he's actually crap. Uh, and obviously he's not crap because I'm sure he'll do really well at West Ham. He's, he's had a really good career until now. Usual caveats, et cetera, et cetera. And... I think the last word is that he seems like a really nice lad. So I do feel I do feel sorry for him. But he should have gone in the summer. The writing was on the wall and he made a mistake there. So in that respect I think he's played a bit of a poor poor hand.
0: Yeah, all round it's been a mistake, hasn't it? And it kind of um very different but it always reminds me of the Gary Megson story going to um Nottingham Forest. Um, where Brian Clough said he couldn't trap a bag of cement after watching him in training, but they just spent a million pounds on him, which back then was a huge deal, you know. So they'd scouted him, spent a million pounds on him, and then the first day of training, Clough said, no, he's not for us. Well, you know, I know, I know it's, it's very different, but mistakes like that can happen in football. Just, it's... All to us looking on, but they can happen from time to time. Going back to the the game uh, tonight, um, you've already alluded to this, Ben, so I'll come to you for this. It's kind of the last game in December was 3 3, and as you know, frustrating, immensely frustrating it was for us as Blues. You know, if we look back on it in hindsight, what a game it was, full of entertainment, full of incident. Pap and Ange are entirely uncompromising in their methods. Are you anticipating another? Thrilling game, should we say tonight?
2: Uh, yeah, and I, I think what we looked, um, we looked vulnerable in, in, in that game defensively. Um, and although I think we're in a better place, I still do think we've got that vulnerability. As as Lloyd mentioned earlier, that they haven't got so, Song, which is huge. Um, but yeah, they have got Madison. I, I agree with you, Steve. He's been, a, he's been you know, away for so long. I don't expect him to come in and be absolutely tearing it up. Mm. Um, but he is a player that, you know, he only sort of plays on the front foot. He's only got one way of playing. So yes. Yeah. I I think, I think that'll, um, that'll be a factor. Um, I I think the, something that, you know, worries me beyond, um, Walker's form is that he's also got history of, to be honest, acting a bit of a dick against his former clubs and, and trying a bit too hard. Um, I don't know why he thinks he might. He's got stuff, something to prove when he plays against the likes of, you know, Spurs or Sheffield United or, or Villa or something. But um, that's something that, that worries me. You know, particularly if you know if he's up against uh, Kulusevski or something like that if he plays over there on the, on that side. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think what all of that makes for, I guess, is you know, is an exciting game with with goals, and, and that's what I, I see this one being. Um, I don't see it being. I love, I love it for us to be, you know, professional performance. We go there, have have a load of the ball and pick them off one or two nil. Um, but I think it'll probably end up being a bit of a basketball game this one. Okay, so your score prediction, Ben? I'm going to say uh, two two. Which, although we don't want any replays at the moment, I think that's what it'll be. I think it'll be two two, and then we'll 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 beat them when we bring them back to the Etihad.
0: Okay, Lloyd, how do you see this one playing out, and what's your score prediction? Oh, fuck a replay. And that wouldn't be good. <laughs> next next um, season there won't be, so we're, we're all right.
1: No, no. Um, oh, I think it probably is going to be a basketball game. Them being at home that obviously helps them. I think I think Madison back could be really big. Actually, I think he, he gets he gets Spurs going, and I think what they've been missing in his absence is someone to slide those balls through to Kurosevsky, Johnson, whoever on the wings um i think we'll win actually i think we'll score sound the klaxon um i don't think we'll keep a clean sheet i th- I-, I fancy us 2-1 um i do think though there's a chance that pep goes for grealish rather than playing the same team against newcastle because i think after having the training he's probably going to prefer that slightly more control option in a game like this rather than doku um I mean, Doku could have an absolute field day against Spurs because they're just mental, aren't they? they, (laughs) With the high line and the way that they kind of bring the ball out and Romero's an idiot. Um, So Doku could have... Against Poro, perhaps, as well. Exactly. I mean, it's set up well for him if he plays, but I just think, think Pep will look at it and go, this is a game actually where I think Grealish could give you a lot. So... I'm gonna go two one. I can't believe I'm predicting a win. I I'm such an idiot. I'm gonna regret this, but I'm gonna go two one.
0: I'm I'm going four one city. There you go. I'm gonna go four one city. Let's let's wait and see on that one. Um I've just got a weird feeling that this is going to be a really good night for us. Are you um, all right, Steve? Yeah, I've just got, well, you know I'm not. I've got a bit of a sore throat. <laughs> Maybe it's that. I don't know. I, I've just got a weird feeling that it's going to be 4-1 tonight, but let's wait and see. Um, I'm sure I'll, I'll have a few laughing emojis sent my way on Twitter tonight. I think that pretty much wraps things up. Uh, we've covered a lot of ground today, and you two have done it superbly well. So thank you very much for joining us today, Ben.
2: No problem at all. Thanks for having me, Steve. Enjoyed that. Thanks, Lloyd.
0: Cheers, boys. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. After a wrap for today, folks, we're off to fully immerse ourselves in all of the FA Cup cliches, namely its tradition for upsets. Hereford, Sutton United, Crawley, Wrexham. Can City join that illustrious list by finally, for once, just bloody winning at Spurs? We'll see you on the other side. And in the meantime, take care and forever up the blues.